3: Good morning. It's 8:30 on Monday, October 24th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, decades after 14-year-old Emmett Till was kidnapped and murdered by white men in the Mississippi Delta, a statue now stands in the city of Greenwood honoring his memory. A recent report reveals Mississippi's critical teacher shortage is getting worse, and legislation to ban the herbal drug kratom could be introduced in the next legislative session that begins in January. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB The Radio. Wake up, Greenwood! Wake up! A change has come! rhythm and blues song, Wake Up Everybody, played as workers pulled a tarp off the nine-foot bronze statue depicting 14-year-old Emmett Till. Hundreds of people applauded. Some wiped away tears as the sculpture was unveiled. The larger-than-life statue of Till now stands in Greenwood's Rail Spike Park, and it was revealed Friday not far from where white men kidnapped and killed the black Chicago teen over accusations he flirted with a white woman in a country store in Money. The 1955 lynching helped spur the civil rights movement. Till's mother, Mamie Till Mobley, insisted on an open-casket funeral, so the world could see the horrors inflicted on her 14-year-old. Mississippi 2nd District Congressman Democrat Benny Thompson, who represents that area, noted that the state had no black elected officials until was killed. He said his death helped spur change. The congressman spoke with MPB's Kobe Vance after the ceremony.
2: It's uh, something that's long overdue. Uh, it's something that, based on what I hear from people, they wanted it to happen. They're looking to unify the community because, as I said in my comments, there's still some challenges in the Delta, and we can take this moment as an opportunity to address the challenges in terms of young people dying too young, seniors dying too early, uh, just a lot of things that was going on uh, when Emmett Till was in this community, and here we are. 50 plus years later, and they're still going on. So, we just have to become a committee of one to unify this community and work on the problems. Our hospital here uh, is struggling, and uh, if we don't do something pretty quick, it's gonna close. And then, this community will be left without a, a hospital. So, our, our good people of goodwill are going to have to come together and work on it.
4: Do you see Congress doing anything to be able to help out rural hospitals like Greenwood LaFleur?
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, If uh, the governor would accept the Medicaid expansion dollars, there are millions and millions and millions of dollars that could go into helping it. Uh, We have initiated other programs for rural hospitals. It just takes a sympathetic governor and legislature to adopt the program. Can't punish people because of their economic condition, and you know our, our state leaders work hard at keeping us on the bottom, and that's not fair.
3: Greenwood and LaFleur County officials worked for years to bring the Till statue to reality. Democratic State Senator David Jordan of Greenwood secured $150,000 in state funding, and a Utah artist was commissioned to create the monument. Jordan tells our Kobe Vance this day has been a long time coming. It's just like a
1: band of angels coming down from heaven to have this. This is one of the, this is the apex of my effort over the last 60 years trying to correct some situation and try to make it better and lubricate the roads of of democracy so we all could travel.
4: So this is my greatest day. You were actually at the trials. Whenever yes. Emmett Till, can you what? Reflecting back on that, and now seeing a statue erected here in Greenwood, what does that mean to you?
1: That's 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 tremendous. I I can't tell you. I, that's why I know it's a God somewhere. It's a greater power somewhere that uh, rules the process that designed the problem. No way in the world, in my wildest dream, I could have dreamed that this was going to happen like this. Look how God reversed it and allow it to happen in my lifetime and able to be a part of getting it here. And another thing, too, you know, we all know in the the, the Senate, what is Republican, uh, Brad Hopkins, who appropriated the money? And Brad and I are good friends. We may differ on party issues, but when it comes to debates, nine times out of ten, they will listen to me by my having the age and been through so much stuff. So I have to show that party has its place, but when it comes to decency and and respect and what is right and what is just, sometimes that
4: overrides party lines. The Emmett Till case has been a stain on Mississippi's history, and it's represented a larger aspect of just injustice, um, racism, and just hatred against Black Mississippians. Well, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on where we've, how far well, we've
1: well, well, come. That's, that's a look at each other. Under normal condition, how many eyes you have? Two, one mouth, pair of ears, swing and pendage, and walk upright, and one nose. I got the same thing. So, what? Where is this that I'm so much different? I'm God's baby too. If you got a problem with me, see him. I ain't got no to do with it. You know, being realistic, it may yeah. sound yeah. like you're to be sarcastic, yeah, but that's the way to cook a crumble. People made mistakes against people of color, but there's something about the so you reap what you sow. What goes around comes around. You don't get away with nothing.
4: On that note, though, I wanted to get your thoughts on again this monument being erected here in Greenwood as a symbol, and and how far Mississippi has come, um, but also as for the future for you know Black Mississippians and what it could mean to live in Mississippi. Well,
1: I'm the son of a sharecropper.
4: Never got but one pair of shoes a year.
1: That was when we settled. Went barefooted from April all the way to November. Never had, didn't have changing clothes. We knew what we were going to wear on Sunday because we didn't have one piece. Now God has allowed me to live a long life and come from the cotton field to the state senate and an educator. I taught 33 years, been on the city council 36 years, been in the Senate 30 years. Well, heck, I should be 100 years old, but I did that simultaneously. But it wasn't just for David Jordan. I could have made a good living. I have educated my all my children, three or four, three of my doctors. But it wasn't about me. It was about the average person. So I spend my time serving others. Because my blessings has been tied up with theirs.
4: And last thing I wanted to ask you this morning is, or, or this afternoon is, we've seen attacks over the years on the other mon- uh, Emmett Till memorial that has been uh, in place. Uh, people shooting at it, people defacing it in different ways. Uh, what are your expectations? Do you think we might see that to this statue? And if so, we'll how- put, it right back. put it
1: right back. You don't. You, you're, you're right. You're, you're right. We'll put it right back. It's state property state legislature. We'll put it back.
3: The nine-foot bronze statue depicts Till in slacks, dress shirt, and tie with one hand on a brim of a hat. It's located about 10 miles from the crumbling remains of the store, Bryant's Grocery and Meat Market, and Money, where Till was accused of flirting with a white woman. The statue's unveiling also coincides with the release this month of Till the movie. Coming up, a recent report reveals Mississippi's critical teacher shortage is getting worse. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you love MPB, wouldn't you love to work here? We're a lot more than radio voices. We're looking for teachers and administrative assistants. We need professionals to work with social media, HR, and IT. Remind your friends and family who are looking for their dream job to consider Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Check out the careers link from mpdonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Mississippi is seeing teachers leave the classroom in droves. A survey recently released by the advocacy group Mississippi First shows those who have left claim a lack of resources, inadequate pay, and little to no support from administrators. The report also finds almost two in three Mississippi school districts are now classified as critical shortage areas. MPB's Lacey Alexander talked with a former teacher, Melanie King, who is one of several thousand who've left the profession. Can you tell me about what about the
0: teaching profession was most difficult for you?
5: I think the biggest thing is that our administration um, from the top down just did not value us or appreciate us or give us credit for the things that we did and and that combined with the um, such unrealistic expectations just made it you know just it wasn't worthwhile anymore.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about the moment you decided to move on from teaching in Mississippi? Did you have a breaking point or a conversation with someone that solidified your decision?
5: Um, I did have a breaking point. I, I had already been wanting you know thinking I don't know that I want to do this that much longer type of thing um, and then Last year in February, I was um, assaulted by a parent at school, um, and that experience, especially with the way the administration handled the experience, that was it for me. That the fact that I didn't feel safe coming to school, I you know was having to have a police escort, and the school you know, didn't care, didn't support me, didn't do anything to make me feel safe, make the other teachers feel safe, make the students, you know, feel safe from these types of things. That, for me, was the breaking point.
0: Thank you for sharing that with me. And Mm -hmm. when you finally decided to move on, do you mind sharing what your principal's response was? Did they seem to understand your concerns at all? Did they see it coming?
5: I don't know that they saw it coming because I really – the very last minute and I told them this like I was really kind of tortured about what to do because I had loved teaching so much and I loved the women I taught with the other teachers and support staff um, and I loved so many of the families I've gotten to know as a teacher and also because this sounds but I'm a good teacher a really good teacher and I've always had good success with my students and so that's part of it too like thinking you know who am I going to get to replace me you know for these kids who actually like I'm a good teacher for them if that makes sense. so it was a lot for me to you know weigh the odds and try to figure out so um, I was really unsettled about it all until kind of like the last minute and when I told them my assistant principal was very upset and sad and hated for me to leave and but she was understanding about it. The head principal not so much. He was a jerk about it. He was unprofessional about it and you know just acted very unkind and you know not the way I would have hoped it would have gone.
0: Now, another mm-hmm. question I wanted to ask, um you're a bookkeeper now, obviously you've left the teaching profession as a whole. Do you see this leave as temporary while you kind of think things out, or do you not really plan on going back to teaching at all?
5: When I quit last year or when I you know told them I was um you know I wasn't coming back for this school year, I really thought it was just gonna be a break. I thought I'm gonna take a year I'm gonna do something part time i'm gonna kind of like reset, you know, get my mind right, get my stress level down, you know, just kind of take a break from it. And I really thought I'll probably go back in a year, maybe two years. Um, But the things that the changes the school district has made in the meanwhile and the fact that instead of the district recognizing what a huge issue they have that they can't keep their teachers and doing things to improve it, the situation is actually getting worse. I might possibly go to another school district, but right now my feeling is that I will not go back to teaching at all.
0: One last question for you. What Mm -hmm. do you hope changes in Mississippi schools? What do you think needs to be altered for Mississippi to better retain its teachers?
5: I mean, I could talk for like two hours about that. I know a lot of people say it's the money. For me, it was not the money. And for a lot of the teachers I know who have quit here this past year, it's not the money. It's the the way we are treated as if we have no value. Um, we're treated by our administration, like our superintendents and our principals, that we don't matter, that they can replace us at any time. You know, they make these huge policy changes for the school district and never ask a single teacher if we think that's a good idea or if we think that's going to work or what issues do we see with that. They just make the decisions without, you know, considering anything that we might see or think won't work.
0: Is there anything you'd like our listeners to know that maybe I forgot to ask you today?
5: I feel like public education is in a huge crisis. In the state of Mississippi, I feel like it's nationwide, honestly, but it's it's really bad in Mississippi, and I feel like if the public and the parents don't start recognizing that something needs to change, that we need better teachers, we need better schools, we need administrators who treat us better, and we need the respect from parents and the community, um, and until that type of thing and the parent you know the parents who think everything is the teacher's fault or everything is the school's fault and don't accept responsibility for their kids if those types of things don't start to change i feel like public education in mississippi is about to really just implode and there will be almost no teachers the schools are going to fail it's, i know it sounds like real doomsday but talking with other teachers and principals, this is how we all feel, like something is, it's almost like the public education system is going to have to completely break down before we're able to make the changes we need to have successful schools.
0: Melanie King, former sixth-grade teacher, I really
3: appreciate you sharing your story with me today.
5: Well, thank you. I'm so glad you got in touch with me.
3: The Mississippi First survey questioned close to 6,500 public school teachers, and over half of them reported they are likely to leave their classroom within the next year. Coming up, the herbal drug kratom. It may soon be banned in Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app.
3: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. When Mississippi lawmakers return to the state capitol in January... Legislation to ban Kratom may be one of the bills introduced. Kratom is a herbal drug that can be used to relieve muscle strains and as a substitute for opioids. Kratom can be ordered online. It can also be bought at gas stations and convenience stores. Earlier this month, members of Mississippi's House Drug Policy Committee heard from both physicians who want the product banned and representatives of the kratom industry who touted the drug's pain-relieving effects. House Republican Lee Yancey of Brandon leads the committee. He tells MP, B's Rhonda Dunaway he values what medical professionals have said on the matter.
6: That kratom was not a safe way to withdraw from opioids and that kratom was addictive just like opioids and that kratom has caused uh, addiction, it's caused death. Uh, it, it, mothers who, are, who use it have, have babies who are born who are uh, having withdrawal symptoms and have to go through the same uh, you know, I guess treatment, series of treatments in order to be weaned off of of, of kratom. Um, there are cases of, of people who are spending thousands of dollars per day on kratom because they're so addicted to it. Uh, there's, a, there's a case of, of someone dying from kratom. So the state medical association strongly opposes any effort that would legitimize kratom um that would condone it by regulating it,
3: is there anything you're gonna be doing as far as outreach or you know with the coalition or anything to um you know encourage the Senate to pick up that bill how do you how do you get that done?
6: Well, I think it, it just involves education and um you know, I've encouraged. Uh, the state medical association, as well as the Bureau of Narcotics, to talk to the lieutenant governor, uh, the chairman of drug policy, is Senator David Jordan. And uh, at any rate, uh, you know, it's just a matter of it being a priority and and understanding that it's a problem. You know, kratom is sold in gas stations, so is TNeptine. Both of them are basically called gas station heroin, where people are mm-hmm. able to go into a gas station. Uh, And some of them won't sell to kids, but some will. And so there's a general consensus among medical professionals and among law enforcement that Kratom is something that is causing harm throughout our state and country and something that doesn't need to be uh, available. And what do you hope to see in the near future? Well, I'd like to see gas stations get out of the drug business. Um, I think that they have no they have no business selling drugs in gas stations like that. Uh, these are unregulated, uh, Kratom, TNP, uh, street name, Red jaja. Ja. Um, these are things that, that don't need to be there. Um, we've got CBD being st- sold in gas stations, CBD being sold in stores all over the state, which are, which is legal to do. Uh, but, uh, the Delta-8 and some of the CBD products that are being sold in these stores and gas stations are not regulated. And many of them are mislabeled. And some of them contain more THC than you could get in a medical marijuana dispensary. So, you know, what's the point of, of having a medical marijuana dispensary when you can go buy Uh, basically, marijuana at a CBD store or a gas station. So these are things that that need to be figured out, and we have to have a way to regulate these products, to test these products, so that there's truth in what the labeling is on the packaging uh, to tell us what's in it. And so, um, you know, we've got a lot of work to do. Kratom, Mm TNFT, CBD, Delta-8, Uh, We've got fentanyl testing strips that we're trying to decriminalize because we have an opioid crisis across our country. Over 107,000 deaths by overdose in 2021 in the United States.
3: That was House Republican Lee Yancey of Brandon, who chairs the House's Drug Policy Committee. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.